Hi, I'm Steve Anderson, uh, author of The Bezos Letters, 14 Principles to Grow Your Business Like Amazon. And today I want to talk about specifically one section in the last letter to shareholders that Jeff Bezos wrote, the 2020 letter. came out in April of uh, 21, um, which is typical, again, for the letters to, to come out there then. Uh, and there are a number of different sections in that letter, but I'm going to focus on one particular one for our conversation today. So... In that letter, he starts out with this phrase. In Amazon's 1997 letter to shareholders, our first, I talked about our hope to create an enduring franchise, one that would reinvent what it means to serve customers by unlocking the Internet's power. Uh, and again, I think it's helpful to remember back to 1997, right? They went public that year. They actually started their website in 1995 at a time when the internet was brand new. And, you know, some of us hard to remember back to those, you know, mid to late nineties when the internet was just starting to grow. But Bezos had this idea that the internet could change how people interact and and shop online uh, at a time when people didn't know, right, you could buy books online. And he kind of started with books and then, you know, as quick as possible, expanded out into certainly other areas. And now Amazon is known as the everything store. And again, I, th I like the word he uses, enduring franchise, meaning not just a flash in the pan, but something that lasts uh, for a long time. And then it goes on to say, we've come a long way since then. And I think, you know, maybe obvious now, but and we're, we are working harder than ever to serve and delight customers. And it goes through a, really a list of where Amazon is today versus where they were in those very early years. Last year, so that would have been 2019 he's referencing, they hired 500,000 employees and now have uh, around 1.3 million employees worldwide. There are 200 million Prime members worldwide. Remember, Prime obviously is their free shipping and now many other services uh, based on a yearly subscription that you can be part of. 1.9 million small and medium-sized businesses sell in our store, and they make up close to 60% of our retail sales. So something that was absolutely crazy in the early 2000s, who in their right mind allows other competitors onto their website to sell products and services. But again, it goes back to some of those core values that Amazon has that Bezos instilled in the organization, which was, if it's better for the customer, it will be better for Amazon and our shareholders. And I think that's proven uh, to, to be the case. So there are almost 2 million businesses created because of their ability to leverage the Amazon platform and leverage the Amazon fulfillment network in order to sell products uh, to consumers. Interestingly enough, I just read um, 
can't remember the where the article was. I think it might have been the Wall Street Journal, but there are now, right, how many years later, several other uh, stores uh, that are looking at creating marketplace options on their website. Amazon has proven the model over and over and over, but um, other stores are going, oh, maybe we should do that now. And I think that's interesting. Um, he goes on to say, customers have connected more than 100 million smart home devices to, to Alexa. Again, new inventive idea about a device that you can talk to and, and get answers from. Um, Amazon Web Services serves millions of customers and ended 2020 with a $50 billion annualized run rate, what, extremely profitable. And again, something that was created, you know, out of nothing uh, to serve Amazon. And then they realized that they might be able to help other developers with their back end computing needs. And, and then he kind of takes that section and wraps it up and says, in 1997, we hadn't invented Prime, Marketplace, Alexa, or AWS. None of that existed. They weren't even ideas then, and none was preordained. We took great risk, and I'm, I'm emphasizing that because that's one of the themes in my book, is how Bezos uses risk strategically to grow. So we took great risk with each one and put sweat and ingenuity into each one. And again, that's part of the core. One of my principles in the book is practice dynamic invention and innovation. And that's those are just continual examples of that. So that's kind of setting up the letter, the beginning of the letter. And the section that I want to talk about is titled create more than you consume. Five words that I think are really interesting to consider in your business life or and in your perhaps personal life. So what does he mean by that? Create more than you consume. Well, the question is, are you creating value in your business? Or again, personally, are you creating value in the relationships that you have with other people, be that close relationships or friends or, or whatever. And here's what he says. Again, I'm quoting. If you want to be successful in business and in parens, he says, in life, actually, you have to create more than you consume. Your goal should be to create value for everyone you interact with. Any business that doesn't create value for those it touches, even if it appears successful on the surface, isn't long for this world. It's on the way out. Let me repeat that. Any business that doesn't create value for those it touches, could be customers, could be suppliers, could be right employees, could be a whole host of things. Even if it appears successful on the surface, it isn't long for this world. It's on its way out. And I want you to think back um, either to a prior show that I did where we, we talked about this idea of it's always day one. Uh, and again, my principle 14 is believe it's always day one. So 
to reiterate for those that may not have heard um, or remind those that have, a day one company is core at Amazon. And Bezos was asked at an all hands meeting, Jeff, what does day two look like? And we lots of information that I've written about and talked about in that. But again, to remind us, what he said was day two is stasis followed by irrelevance, followed by excruciating, painful decline, followed by death. And that's why it's always day one. So to me, I'm tying that concept of believe it's always day one back into this idea that if you're not creating value for everyone you interact with, then your business may look successful, but isn't long for this world. It's in that process of degrading into irrelevance. And again, we've lots of examples of businesses, be it Kodak or Blockbuster or Blackberry or CompUSA or Borders or, you know, lots of businesses very successful and aren't here anymore. So then he goes on to say, and, and looks at quantifying the value that Amazon has provided to the different groups that it has touched. So first is stockholders. And he says, that's pretty easy to calculate. We've created $1.6 trillion of wealth. That number is the market cap, right? Based on the stock price and the, the uh, number of shares that are, that are outstanding. $1.6 trillion of wealth for shareholders. Who are they? He says, your chair is one, I, Bezos, and my Amazon shares have made me wealthy. But more than seven-eighths of the shares representing $1.4 trillion of wealth creation are owned by others. And they're all kinds of different investors from an individual person who bought, you know, a share maybe a long time ago and just let it grow to 401ks to, you know, all kinds of different people that are part of, of shareholders. And in fact, he includes a letter that he received uh, from a individual shareholder talking about how they've been able to use their shares that they bought in the late 90s, right? So think about that, to do all kinds of different things and watch them grow in terms of value and number of shares and things like that. So that's that's one group that Amazon has touched is shareholders and, and pretty easy to measure. Here's the value that Amazon has created for them. The second is employees. And again, it's a, he says, a relatively easy value creation question to answer because we can look at compensation expense. And he goes on to explain that compensation, payroll, is an expense to Amazon, but it is income for employees. And again, based on calculations of that expense in 2020, employees at Amazon earned $80 billion, earned $80 billion, plus another $11 billion in benefits, payroll taxes, etc. So again, relatively easy to say that employees 
have significant value by being part of Amazon. The next group he talks about is third-party sellers. We mentioned that in the beginning, right? Those small businesses, 1.9 million, that are able to be in business because Amazon opened up their platform to allow them to sell their products on the Amazon website and leverage the Amazon Fulfillment Network to deliver those products uh, in a low-cost and easy way to their clients. So Amazon has an internal team um, called Selling Partner Services Team that works to answer the question about what value Amazon is bringing to those third-party sellers. And his words are that they've estimated that in 2020, third-party sellers' profits from selling on Amazon were between $25 billion and $39 billion. So to be conservative, he's, he'll go the lower number, $25 billion in profits, value created by Amazon for those third-party sellers. And then he talks about customers, and he, he actually shifts his um, calculations a little bit. And what he says is hard to determine the value we bring to customers you know, is it lower prices? Yes, maybe, but how do you calculate that? But what he says is that Amazon offers, right, the three pillars that we've talked about, low prices, vast selection, and fast delivery. But if we ignore that for the purpose of the, the estimate of the value that we're bringing to customers, meaning Amazon is bringing to customers, then value may be only one thing, which is saving customers time. So he goes on to explain some interesting statistics, you know, at least for me, in terms of Amazon. Customers complete 28% of purchases on the website in three minutes or less. Now that makes me think about a, several things. One is, Wow, that's fast. They probably already knew what they wanted and just went on Amazon to get it. They didn't have to do a lot of research or figure out which one to get. But that's pretty impressive. And unfortunately for other businesses, a pretty high bar for them to have to be able to compare to. And I certainly have been on other websites trying to purchase things, and it's taken a lot longer than three minutes. Half, so 28%, a little over 25, obviously, three minutes or less, 50% of purchases are finished in less than 15 minutes. Again, saving time. And then he compares that to having to go to a physical store, right? Driving, parking, searching, waiting to check out line, finding your car, driving home. Uh, and he says, you know, research has shown typical physical store trip takes about an hour. So if we start comparing three minutes or 15 minutes or maybe a little longer, because that was only 50% of purchases, that's still a huge time savings. And based on what, you know, somebody's hourly worth is, there's a lot of value created by Amazon as they are touching customers. Remember said, 
you need to create value for everyone that you interact with, that you touch. So that's retail. He also talks about AWS. And again, much harder to calculate because there are so many different ways that businesses use AWS. Every customer's workload is different. But they go through and, and he says a, a reasonable, again, you can argue with this, but a reasonable improvement of cloud computing versus on-premises computing, meaning the physical servers, computers are at a location. But he says a reasonable estimate is a 30% um, less cost for cloud computing. And, and again, I'm not going to go through all the calculations because he goes through, through a lot. But again, the point is, are you creating more than you are consuming? And, you know, that to me is, again, a really interesting way to think about it. So kind of wrapping this section up, let me again quote from him. If you want to be in success, and I mentioned this earlier, if you want to be successful in business, in life, actually, you have to create more than you consume. Your goal should be to create value for everyone you interact with. Again, any business that doesn't create value for those it touches, even if it appears successful on the surface, isn't long for this world. It's on its way out. So my question for you is, what does that mean for you? And I, it might be helpful to think about turning the phrase, create more than you consume, into a question and see how it applies to your business or any person that you meet, talk to, and interact with. So the question is, does your business create more than it consumes? What about the value you bring to your customers, your shareholders, if you're public, or your investors, if you're private, to your employees, to your suppliers, what value are you bringing to them? Individually, you can ask the question, does this person that maybe I'm interacting with create more than he or she consumes? And that's an interesting question because are they draining energy, resources, emotion from you, or are they creating more value to you by bringing more of that into the relationship that you have? So we can look at this from business, but we also can look at it from our personal interactions with others. And maybe the most important question is, for you and me, do I create more than I consume? in my relationships, in my professional life, and the business I'm part of or the business I'm running. And I think that's what we can start thinking about. Um, he goes on kind of at the end of that section and says, it, it becomes a very efficient way to think about whether the people you interact with, the customers you have, um, are 
uh, you're you're helping them, right? We say we are, but are we actually helping them and creating value for them? And he says, it's one thing to assert that you've created value. It's another to back it up. And kind of the the this section of the letter is where he talks about and makes his case for why Amazon does uphold that statement. They do create more value than they consume. And I think what's interesting is I don't know of another CEO that has attempted to break down his company's status within the world so quantifiably. And, and that's, a, again, a part of Bezos, very numbers-driven, wanting to quantify things. But that's pretty unique for a now former CEO, now uh, uh, executive chairman uh, at Amazon to really put numbers to this idea. So what does this mean for you personally and for your business? And that that's the question I'd like to leave you with as we uh, wrap this up. And he ends the 2020 letter in a similar fashion to every other letter that he's written. And I'm quoting, to all of you, be kind, be original, create more than you consume, and never, never, never let the universe smooth you into your surroundings. It remains day one. What I hope are these thoughts might be some things for you to ponder, um, certainly as you're looking and planning for 2022 uh, and where you might go both personally and as an employee in a business or as an owner of a business. How can you think about creating more than you consume? Thanks for watching.